This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the DLU Podcast, brought to you by Believe Network. I'm your host, Derek T. Lewis, and we have a fun and exciting episode for you this week. But man, tons of news I have to share with all of you, in case you all didn't see on any of my social media platforms. The Monster Factory, where I am a ring announcer at, um, Monster Factory Pro Wrestling, there is a docuseries that's coming on March 17th, Friday, March 17th, on Apple TV Plus called Monster Factory, where they're going to highlight five of our wrestlers and you know really talk about their journey from the very beginning into what they're doing now. And of course, a lot of us are going to be throughout all these episodes. There's six half-hour episodes, and you will see me in some of the episodes, which I am in. It's an honor for me to have been a part of, and um, I had to keep that hush-hush for over a year. But Yet here we are. So again, March the seventeenth. If you haven't had, if you don't have Apple TV, make sure you get Apple TV and get the Apple TV Plus. You'll be able to see all six episodes of Monster Factory. And huge shout out to Danny Cage for again giving me my shot in the world of professional wrestling. But this week, I have speaking of Monster Factory, I have one of our wrestlers on. His name is Marvelous, and Marvelous and I started around the same time in 2018. And when I tell you this guy. You know, one of our uh, middleweights or cruiserweights, whatever you want to call it, that dude can go. And he's a very unique character, and you're going to get to know him and all aspects of what he's doing in, in the world of professional wrestling. And let's not wait any longer. My interview with Marvelous starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this individual I had the um, the pleasure of working with at the world famous Monster Factory Pro Wrestling. You know he's really one of the guys that's that's one of our leaders now. You know he's really doing his thing on the independent circuit. The one and only marvelous. Thank you for stopping by the Dilu Podcast. How are you, man? Man, this is awesome. Thanks for having me, man. How you been? I'm good, man. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that as well. And like I said, you know, the last four years, you know, our careers has basically been parallel as I was getting my start in the pro wrestling business as you, but let's want to start off from the beginning. Every story has its beginning. So I do see you're from South Jersey. So talk about life growing up in South Jersey. Life uh, growing up in South Jersey. So like where I'm from, uh, it's, it's like a mix, you know, it's like, it's farms. It's a little bit, uh, I guess you could say hood. 
but then it's also beach and just city life just about 40 minutes from here. So, uh, you know, it's almost like a small town type thing. You know, you always see the bigger cities like Philadelphia and New York. And you're like, damn, if I could just go out there and I could be something or someone. And um, but there's so much actually going on in Vineland now. Like we just had um, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs with uh, Pacheco. Pacheco is a violent native here, so uh, he's doing it big here, representing for his city, representing for the 856. Uh, so there's a lot of things happening, and hopefully, you know, I'm the the next person I want to represent. You know, I want to represent the community. I want to represent violent and whole. I would love, ultimately, to actually go to, like, the schools and do all that public speaking, because growing up, that's one of the biggest things that inspired me and motivated me is when we had, like, public speakers. Right, right, and, right, right. Uh, and so um, I remember we had a uh, Urban Fryer. I don't remember him from football back in the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, I think it was a thousand yard receiver back in 90. Man, I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> 90, 97, 96. Um, but uh, he came to the school one time and uh, he was just like speaking. And then um, I remember he was like, why do you want to be somebody else or this next person? He's like, why don't you just be the first you? You know, right. so uh, that's been my mentality ever since. That's awesome, man. And I, you, you love to hear things like that because, you know, you, you hear it in sports, you know, who's going to be the next um, Tom Brady or who's going to be the next, you know, Wayne Gretzky. But I just think, you know, when that when that person just focuses on being the very first them, you know, there's less pressure on living up to some other hype of somebody else did. And you can just create your own story. So I'm totally agree. I totally agree with you on that. So where you went to athletics in school, you know, football, baseball, basketball, what, what were some of the things you were doing, you know, during those times? So I was always in sports somehow, some way since the age of three. Um, I grew up honestly in a, in a trailer park, a very like small trailer park, like with a cul-de-sac, but right behind the trailer park, it was a karate school. And I was about three years old and, you know, you're talking about the 90s. We're talking about here 1995, you know, and you got Power Rangers, Mortal Kombat, all this stuff. So, of course, like, I want to do martial arts, you know. Mm-hmm. So my dad told the teacher, hey, you know, he could do this, he could do this, because I believe you had to start at the age of four, but I was three. Mm-hmm. So I did Gojo Ruin kickboxing. I did that for about, man, all the way up to my teen years, all the way up to about 18, and I was doing competitions and kickboxing and um, also doing just like type of like martial arts techniques where you're basically just you by yourself and you're kind of performing you're putting on a routine you know and after that i just started playing basketball honestly really heavy uh i got in school um played for high school played for elementary played for middle school played for the city played for the state you know all that stuff um got into that but then like honestly it's it's crazy because what i do now you would never think what I was doing before. Like, I didn't think that I was going to go take this path of what I'm doing now. And when I was playing basketball, I got into college. And I was like, all right, let me try out for the college team. You know, did not make the team at all. What, and what college was that, by the way? That was uh, Cumberland County. That was right okay. here in Cumberland. community college here. Okay. Uh, didn't make the team at all. And it was just weird, like, because I was always been in sports, and that's really the first time that I was kind of out of sports, because by that time, like, you're 18, you're too old to play, you know, in the city, you know, too old to play in school. But uh, I started coaching, actually, started coaching little kids basketball. Um, That was really fun. I started doing that from the age of 18 to about 22. 
Um, so I've always been in sports, always been athletic somehow. I'm a big sports guy. I love sports, football, basketball, baseball, you name it, everything. I grew up watching it all. I grew up watching some great players. Yeah, man. And, you know, when you talk about the coaching aspect of it, you can really see the game a lot differently, you know, once you be able to teach it and you'll be able to see it. You'll be like, oh, I remember that, you know, co and, and you may you may echo some of the things that some of your coaches may have passed on to you. And I've experienced that in the drum in the drumming uh, world when I when I began teaching there. But let's transition to when you became a fan of pro wrestling. When did this all happen? I think I've always been a fan um <laughs> i don't really <laughs> i can't really tell you when and where because my parents honestly were fans it's uh i always tell this story but like long story short my mom was always a fan of the wcw side because um her family grew up in florida so that's what they were watching at the time man right right southern territory right right, right. and my dad coming from puerto rico which he was watching like abdullah the butcher and bruiser brody so he mm -hmm. likes character you know he's he's very character heavy Whereas okay. my mom likes, you know, like her favorite is Ricky Steamboat. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad's favorite would be like, you know, Carlos Colon and guys like that because he grew up watching them. He grew up seeing them in those baseball fields in Puerto Rico. He used to throw piss at them. Like, you yeah, know? World Wrestling Council, that was that was blood and guts before blood and guts was even a, um, uh, a phrase. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was watching through, the, you know, like a kid in the 90s. I mean, I'm a kid in the 90s. I'm eight years old and Austin's the champion. You know, like it's the height of, you know, the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. And uh, every, you know this, you, you know this, WWE was everywhere. 100%. Everywhere. You could, you could order pizza. There are no logo, the pizza boxes. You know, you go to the mall, there, there's a big Stone Cold, a big Undertaker. A big rock, you know, it didn't matter where, like, it surpassed everything. And everybody knew who Austin and Rock was, you know. So growing up, like, I mean, that's all I knew. I was like, this is awesome, you know. Right. <laughs> seeing them come out, like, seeing, like, Shawn Michaels especially, like, just something done where you just, I'm watching my my old WrestleMania DVDs and I'm seeing Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart and he's coming down zip like with the zip line. The zip line, I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world, you know? So um, I've loved wrestling my whole life. It's crazy because I never, I thought before when I was a kid, of course, like, yeah, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm literally five years old and I'm coloring in tights, uh, trying to make a lip, lips kind of like resembling Billy Gunn's tights. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm doing all this stuff. But of course, you know. There's that little bit in between portion where you're growing up and you kind of lose focus and you kind of just focus on other things. For sure, for sure. You always get back to what you love. Indeed, indeed. So when was the first live event you ever you ever attended? Uh, so uh, my mom took me to, she won radio tickets, I guess, to Atlantic City for a SmackDown. Nice, nice, uh, nice. You want to hear the main event? Sure, go ahead. All right, so first of all, that was The Rock coming back from after doing The Scorpion King. Uh, so that so was 2001? Yeah, about 2001-ish. Um, so he came back real quick to kind of, you know, hello, everybody. But the main event was um, Badass Undertaker teaming up with John Cena, which at that time, John Cena just wearing the shorts, you know. Right. Against Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. I mean... Like, I remember that and, like, thinking about it now and everything that has happened, to, like, from then to now, it's just, it's like, wow, like, I got to watch that, you know? I got to see, like, the past, the present, and the future. 
That's incredible because John Cena was probably during OVW during it. I don't think he had he was a main roster guy yet. So that's incredible to even think about that. And it was crazy that venue that was the site of WrestleManias four and five. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of the live events that they do now. Um, Absolutely, I would love to perform in that building. Um, definitely mm-hmm. on the butterflies. <laughs> right. So when was it that you made the decision to say, "All right, I'm going to get into the wrestling business. I'm going to start training." What made you to start? What made you make the decision to start training? And how did you find the world famous Monster Factory? What made me decide? Uh, I think what made me decide was literally just working every single day, just a regular job. Mm-hmm. I was working with a driver. Um, literally, I just felt like I was kind of like wasting my life away. Mm-hmm. And I was always listening to the wrestling podcast, and I was listening to Austin's podcast. And uh, just so happened, Danny Cage was on the um, Austin podcast. I kind of knew about the monster factory but like i was always worried about travel and i was worried about pay because literally i'm check to check like you know like i do everything on my own and i was listening to the podcast and i'm like oh, okay so then uh I remember i went home that day i got on twitter this is i didn't even follow wrestling i didn't have like a, a wrestling twitter it was just a generic twitter right and just so happened that uh, something got retweeted and the monster factory said it had an open house on the 27th um, so I was like, well, you know what, this might be it. And I would, and I religiously watched those monster Vac- factory videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've, you've seen those old videos, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. And for those that know, Danny Cage is the uh, owner and head coach of the world famous monster factory. He's been in charge since 2011, I believe. So he's, he took over the reins from, um, the late, great, uh, pretty boy, Larry Sharp, God rest his soul. So and the Monster Factory has been around for over 40 years. So just lets you know we're one of the um, main stays of wrestling schools in the entire uh, world. So you go to the open house. Was it, was it culture shock to you? Or what? What did, was it everything you expected and more? Tell us about your, fir- your first day when you went to the open house. Um, well, I passed the building like three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, past the building, but finally I mustered up. Um, I went in there because I wasn't the only one that was checking the house out. I know there was, was like about like seven other students, right? Mm-hmm. Or possible students. Right, right, right. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I was just expecting like people in tights and wrestling boots, you know, mm-hmm. uh, characters. But I go in there and everybody's like in uniform, which I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. And Right. And I should have known better too because I was watching those videos and seeing, but like I didn't know any better. Um, started seeing how they were training, and at that point, I was kind of out of sports for about four to five years. Okay, like I didn't even go on the like on the side and pick like had a little pickup game of basketball on the streets or a park. Like I was, I was just straight working. Right, you know, I thought that I thought that that portion of my life was kind of over. You know, I'm not over here going outside playing games. <laughs> But um, so the athletic part, which was like, all right, that was intimidating because I was starting to see everybody like jump over the ropes and do rolls and do flips and do all these things. And um, I was just like, damn, I don't know. <laughs> but um, towards the very end, Danny gathered a couple of us and we went inside a ring. I touched the ring. The ring was extremely hard. It just felt like a hardwood floor at the time to me. Right. Uh, for those that don't know, the ring does hurt. 
especially if it's your first time. You do get used to it, but you have to do it a lot. You have to build and up that resistance, right? <laughs> Even honestly, now, like I'll go to maybe two weeks without doing it. And the first time I land, it's just, it just takes the air out, you know? Right. Um, but anyway, I felt the ground and then he went around in a circle asking everybody. He's like, so are you in? Because Danny Cage, man, he is. He's slick, you know, he's slick, but in a good way. <laughs> He'll get you to agree with something, even if it's like, damn, you don't want to agree with it or you don't want to do it. But he's slick. And ultimately, like, he's always right. Right. And um, he's going around. He's like, are you in? And the person's like, yeah, next person. And he goes to me. I said, yeah, because the <laughs> I'm so judgmental. I'm terrible. But the person next to me, I was like, man. If he's going to do this, then I'm going to do this. Then I have to do this, you know? Right, 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 right. Uh, so everybody got a shirt aside for me. Um, that was cool because I said, you know what? It's cool. Let me just earn my shirt at the time because there was no more shirts, at least my size. Because, I mean, you know, he all he had was extra, extra large. And, you know, it's no secret. I'm not six foot, like, ten. But um, the next day, uh, I went there on Sunday. And I had my first training training day. And I was nervous. And... Everybody that signed up never came back. They just, I think they just paid their money and just never showed up. I never see them again. And that was that. Wow. That was, that was my beginning. And then literally my second day was a, a camp. Um, We had a little um seminar there and I was just observing. I was just watching everything. It was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Were you at that camp? Were you at that camp? I may have been. I'm not sure. Cause again, I was like, when my first day um was, it was, as a matter of fact, my first day was um, August 19th of 2018 and it was the night of SummerSlam actually. So he had SummerSlam on and it was all these wrestlers that were coming, you know, from all over the place. I think Wrecking Ball, Ligurski was there and just a few other wrestlers that I had seen that were, that ended up, you know, working or not, they're not working anymore, but me and Derek Moore were doing commentary and mm-hmm. I remember that Derek. It was yeah, Derek Moore. A huge shout out to him from our Rhode Island. Hoping he'll be doing. I, I got to reach out to him. But it was even for me as a as a you know because obviously I was not getting in the ring or anything. But just the idea of you know you doing commentary. It's like it's not as easy as you listen to it because of course anybody can recite a famous you know Jr. line or anything like that. But I mean you're ta- you're literally calling everything you see on the on the monitor. So it was a bit culture shock for me, but. You said so. Go ahead. You said you were go. You were at another camp. Oh, I was at out because you started in August. I started right there in November. Right. Um, it was one of our last camps there, and it was a very interesting camp, especially how it ended. For those who know, you know, you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, that was you know that was my first experience, and I loved it. I mean, I love just something as simple as looking at the turnbuckles and looking at the ropes. Like I love wrestling in general. Right. Seeing a bunch of people who. You know, we're all different shapes and sizes on top of that. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that stuck, stuck out to me is that, you know what, anyone could do this if they literally, like, just put in the work. Because that's all it is. That's all it takes to make this is to come in day in, day out. And to put in the work not only at the Monster Factory, but also to put in the work outside of the factory. Right. And and then, think, huh? No, I was going to say, you're right. Because, you know, Dan says it all the time, too. It's like you know, center, granted, you have your wrestling life, but if everything else centered around that, it has to be just as important too, which makes your wrestling life a lot easier. Because if if one thing is not in order, 
then you're going to bring that you're going to bring that negative energy into the wrestling and then you're talking about somebody having your life in their hands because you're literally you giving your body to your opponent to take care of yeah. you in the ring so if you're not in the proper headspace you know what i mean that's going to cause a lot of problems i totally agree with you there that it's 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 important and try to especially um not even to get into the subject, but just to just talk about it real quick. Just it's just mental health also too, and professional wrestling is very important. Yeah, because, dude. I mean, you could easily, and I have, and I can admit that I have done this before. You could easily just get kind of carried away in it all, mm-hmm. and forget everything else that got you there to that point, and everything that you're doing to get you know to get to the point that you're at. Right, and then you kind of start seeing the flaws of that elsewhere not just in wrestling but everywhere else like in life and things like that mm-hmm. and currently i've been doing this now going on five years um i'm trying now to just find that balance um because i've been so i feel as though sometimes i've been so invested in wrestling and that's a good thing because you always got to stay like sharp it always has to be wrestling 100%. but you but you also have to take care of everything else because without everything else to fall back on you're not going to have wrestling because there's going to be a time where I could, like you said, you got to protect your opponent. You know, there could be a time where I could easily just slip and then I'm out for a period of time. I already been injured before. I already been out, already broken bones. I know what that's like. I also know what that's like, what I even also having a backup plan. So now it's just more about finding that balance and being happy um, because ultimately I, I feel like last year I took wrestling really, 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 really serious. Um, and I know you as an artist, you know what it's like to just grind. Right. Yeah. You have to. You know what it's like to just mentally just like, it's just this or nothing else. You wake up, it's wrestling, you know, you wake up, it's music, you know, whatever it is that you put your mind to, that's what you're focused on. And sometimes if you just lose focus just a little bit, I'm telling you, when you're driving, man, you can really steer off to the side and right. it's not So it's very important to take care of your mental health and take care of everything. Like it's okay to take a day or two, shut it all off, you know, and then get back to focus. Recharge the batteries. You're absolutely right. So we we talked about Dan a little bit. I want to dive in as far as the training, just the training techniques and some of the things that works, you know, for the factory. So let's talk about a day of training. What is it like with Danny Cage there, all with you guys in the trenches, in the grind for training? Um, I can tell you that a lot of the guys are very in, like intimidated and nervous. And when I say a lot of the guys, it's more of the newer students, mm-hmm. which is fine because I've been there. I understand it. Sometimes I even tell them, I'm like, I feel you right now. I feel the same way we all feel today. <laughs> I know you know what that feels like when it's just pressure, but it's a good pressure because it's a professional pressure. It's like this get your ass to work pressure, you know? Right. Uh, and... A normal day, honestly, of training and stuff like that obviously consists of stretching and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of it that we learn, it's not not so much the in-ring. It's more of the cardio and it's more of the psychology of why we do things. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we could go in there, we could wrestle, we could do whatever, but why are we doing it? Right. You know, um, and it's a very realistic approach, I would like to say. Um, I love looking at wrestling in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like things to make sense. Um, and that's one thing that we definitely learned with, with Dan is uh, there's a lot of times where, you know, he'll start telling us about something or about a move or about a sequence or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I'm just like, at the time, I'm like, and we're all be like, hmm, 
And then when we see it happen, it's like, damn, like, all right, that worked. Right. All right. right. Like we know, like, but you know, but that's why, you know, that's why he's in the position that he's in, you know? Um, and that's why I am there and everybody else is there to learn. And it makes sense. And you go around and it's just, it's just professional. He just wants all of us to be professionals. There's, you know, it's like, man, you go around and a lot of times it's unfortunate, but in this business, there's a lot of unprofessional people. This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of times he says too that you know he's really he wants us to like he over prepares us. So when we go to these other indies, or let's say we get if you get a shot at you know a tryout at WWE, if you get a shot at AEW, if you go to MLW or Ring of Honor or Impact Wrestling or whatever it is, and you're around these people, you already feel like you've been there before. You know what I mean? And Same. even for me. You know, I work for two other promotions other than Monster Factory. And it's like, when I'm there, it's like, okay, I've acted like I've been there before, even though I've only been there for a short amount of time. And I didn't realize how much weight that the Monster Factory had until like one time I was at a, um, a WWE event in the parking lot. I was just in the parking lot. And I think some guys that run a podcast, we we knew each other, you know, for whatever. And then when I came over to there, they were like cooking out. And they said, hey, yo, yo, this guy, yo, that's Derek. He's from the Monster Factory. And everyone was like, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. And it was just like, yo, we, and they were just really bigging up the school. And I'm just like, oh. And that was when I first realized, okay, I'm a part of something special because look at the names that's on the posters. Look at the names that's on our walls. If you go into the uh, to the school, you'll be able to see everybody from King Kong Bundy to um, Bam Bam Bigelow to Sheamus, Big Show, and everyone else, the Damian Priest, um, Matt Riddle, and, 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 and um, Steve Macklin, everybody else that's been through our doors and has been uber successful. We talk about the guys that's trained and um, was at, at the Monster Factory. So it, I, it made me realize, okay, you know, I'm going to listen to those that's been there a lot longer than me and is a, a lot smarter than me in that aspect, too. So you're talking about the training aspect. So let's let's shoot over down to your very first match. So if you can remember your first match. So who was it against and how did it go? Now, real quick, would, would you would, would this be a match on the first time on a show or a first training match? I would say both. All right. First training match was against Katie Calhoun. Okay. Shout out to Getty Cahoon. By the way, shout out to Getty. I love you, Getty. When I, and I love you too. I love you. I love you too, God, Getty. I love you too. Absolutely. Whatever you do that makes you happy. I love it, Getty. I love you, man. Indeed. Um, but I had my first match with him. Uh, he took good care of me. And it was crazy because the first time I seen Getty wrestle, I was so intimidated. I was like, this guy's gonna rip my head off. Because, <laughs> you know, you remember Getty, man. Getty was very intimidating. He had that bald head. He was to come out with unstable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And honestly, I really thought that's how he was. But the first time I shook his hand, started talking to him, man, he's just, he's so great. You know, he's very chill. Uh, he's very witty. Um, but I had a, a good match with him. Uh, he literally was like, he was like, hey, man, good match, this and that. And I was like, oh, okay. And at that time, I didn't feel like there was no hiccups. Um, it was very basic. I won with a bulldog. Okay. You know, just something, quick training match. But at that moment, that was like my first feel of actually being in a ring and selling and doing things. And I picked Working that up. Brain. I picked that up very quickly because, like, I don't know. I just, I've been watching it my whole life. So I just kind of came naturally just from like playing around with pillows or my little brother, like wrestling. We're like, oh, oh, you know. Right, right, so right. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was the same thing. And apparently it was the same thing, you know. Um, but my first match, you were definitely there because <laughs> I got the video. Um, I teamed up with Devin, if you remember Devin. Um, and we went for the first time against Travis Jacobs and Royal Money, their first tag team like match as a tag team. Oh, money is inevitable. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they used to say uh, right after that match, um, somebody handed me ice packs. Um, that was fun. It looked like a murder scene. My mom was worried. Because, uh, of course, the first person that got their hands on me was Royal Money. Uh, Royal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Royal Money. I love you, buddy. Shout out to Royal, too. I love you, too, man. That's another one, too. Whatever mm -hmm. you're doing, I'm happy. <laughs> so that's how you first, so you first two, so you train your first training match and then your first uh, show match. And again, there are two, there are two elements to it. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're, you're game ready. And this is like no different than the NFL or Major League Baseball. You know, you're doing real, real time situations in practice. So when you're getting out there in front of the people, you know, you're going to look like you know what you're doing. So, you know, kudos to that. So what has been the biggest challenge for you so far in your career? I think it, I think it goes back to the mental. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest it's the biggest hurdle also too and just understanding what exactly is your role you know mm -hmm. um, because we do this you know we I'm not going to go out and be like yeah I'm the rock I deserve this I deserve that right right I'm, I'm not nowhere near that level you know and trying to find a balance of being confident by saying, you know what, yeah, I am one of the best strikers out here. Mm -hmm. Also, too, being respectful, you know. Um, it's just that balance. Um, it's it's really hard because at any given moment, any little thing, and you know this in professional wrestling or in social media, a comment or one move, you know, your whole career could be taken away. Yeah. It could be something as minor as maybe innocent as just something that you just you just didn't think may have bothered somebody, but apparently it does, you know. True, and true important to be mature um not only obviously in person but in social media of course and wrestling there's so much wrestling you've mm -hmm. seen wrestling there's so much wrestling and there's so many different opinions about wrestling for sure and you see what and you see what people really really like or you see what people don't like or you know and you're just trying to figure out okay what can i do to get everybody to like what i do you know Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when you do that, you lose kind of focus on yourself. So I think if you just stick with it, you know, as far as what is your purpose in wrestling? Like, why do you do this? I realize that I do this because I love and I would love to inspire others. And that's, and that's the good thing. 
Absolutely, because if you know, if you keep reminding yourself of your why, right, and you keep that in the back, and you always go back to that, you know, right away. If you feel yourself slipping, and it's like, uh, and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember, and just keep your eye on the prize, and you'll you'll go very very far. And we're just we're all human, right? You know, I'm a I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I'm a very spiritual person. It's no secret. Um, I'm very just kind of like I'm always just to myself a lot mm-hmm. um and that's I think those are the moments when I realize okay I do love this you know like I do love wrestling here's the why this is why I do it and exactly. when I go you know uh, when I go on I perform just last week I was up in uh up in New York with uh, Travis Jacobs Notorious Mimi and Jafar and um that's of course that's the cards so big shout out to them I love them they know I love them mm-hmm. um we were out there in New York and um we did the show. We had a great time. We sold some merchandise. We met um a lot of new fans. And at afterwards, I was like, you know what? I love this. Now I realize and I remember why, you know, because we could lose focus, especially just in reality. And I, I say reality as in like my life outside of wrestling. Right. <laughs> it's in a sense reality, you know, where I'm going to work still and I'm just like, okay, this and that's happening, whatever. But you know, it makes me at times lose focus of what I do and the bigger picture of everything that I do. And now it's just time to put in the work. And I can't, I can't sit back and have regrets or anything right now. It's just for me the time to live and time to go and time to wrestle. Gotcha, man. Now, obviously you're, 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 you wrestle in the middleweight or cruiserweight, whichever promotion has it different names or whatever the case may be. So you're a lot smaller than the the second you you alluded to it before the six three to six four to six five guys, two hundred seventy five pounds or whatever. Do you feel that cruiserweight wrestlers, smaller wrestlers, are pigeonholed because of their size, or you think that's a thing of the past? It's a, it's, a, it's an interesting question because. I don't, I, 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 talent, first of all, like, there's no denying talent. You right. Know? Um, I don't think, I think if you're over, no matter the size, you'll be over. Right. I, I think now at this point, I don't think the fans look at size. I think they look at more of what entertains them and what could they like relate to. So even if it is a smaller person, it's maybe their character, maybe their personality is something that touches the fans. Um, I, Obviously, there's a division. There's nothing wrong with being in a division. I take and I take pride, and you notice. Yeah, I take pride in the middleweight division at the Monster Factory. I feel like I am literally the gatekeeper. I feel like I am the baby. Like you know, I'm the one that like has to watch the baby. And uh, right now, Chris Desmond is the middleweight medallion holder. Uh, shout out to Chris Desmond, by the way. But I watch everybody's matches, and I don't think people. I guess you could say my my height under six foot or whatever should feel pigeonhole. I just think they just need to do whatever they got to do to get over. Easier said than done, you know? Right. But find it. Find something because the fans are not really worried about your height. You can impress them. You can change their mind. You Listen, I've walked out to the curtains plenty of times. and be like, oh, here comes a midget. This guy's going to get squashed. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. After the match. Oh, man, you're awesome. Please come back so perform man perform bust your ass man it doesn't matter right right speaking of which i saw where you worked some events last year at impact wrestling and also mlw fairly recently so again a big big deal 
But it, how how'd you get through? How'd you get through with that? Who'd you contact? How did you be able, how were you able to get on TV with those two promotions? And how and how was the experience for you? Um, the experience for me for both was uh was interesting because every promotion, no matter what level, is all they're all different. Right. They're all different, you know, and different not in a sense of anything bad or anything like that. It's just like production, you know, what to do, when to do it, what to right. touch. You know, things like that is very different. Um, as far as the impact, I believe the I believe they contacted the Monster Factory. I believe they needed a ring. Mm-hmm. So uh we brought the ring over, of course, and there was a couple guys that Danny Cage trusts, of course, and always honored when he picks me for that opportunity. Me and a couple of the guys go out there and we were just setting up, working, doing the aprons, just being just the extra guys, you know, helping out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh finally uh there was an opportunity where Rhino was looking for smaller guys, uh, somebody that could get tossed around and look good getting beat up, you know? So uh, it came down to me and Sean Venor. Another big shout out to Sean Venor. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, love you, Sean. Um, came up to me and Sean Venor, and literally, like, Rhino's like, pick a number, blah, blah, blah. So I got the number, um, basically. And he's like, if you got good gear, go ahead and put it on. I'm like, all right, cool. Go and put it on, and basically he's like, "All right, this is what's gonna happen." We went over that. Um, I was nervous, but then I was calm. If that makes sense, right? Nervous in a sense where I just want to make sure everything goes okay. Calm in a sense where I'm like, I know I belong here, and, and that's my, that's why being prepared. Go, it's going back to everything we talk about in the training. A hundred percent goes back to the training and it goes back also in believing yourself. Mm-hmm. And I believe in that moment. I'm like, yeah, I should be here. You know, no matter what I'm going to do in this ring right now, I should be here. And I'm glad I'm here and I'm going to take this opportunity and go with it. And I took the opportunity. It was great. Um, it was quick, but it was great. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, but the great part was that afterwards, just that right there in itself, like everybody, all, all the boys in the backstage and everybody working, on impact they knew my name it was like hey gabriel good stuff you know and that right there i was honored and i was just like man this is exciting you know what i mean and getting to ride with some of the boys getting to take them back to the airports and getting to talk to them and getting the knowledge from them like i connected so much there having rhino as my agent like i used to watch rhino gore people you know right 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 Oh, that was another one i used to see on tv used to come out i'm like oh man he's gonna kill everybody but uh (laughs) But I, I love that experience. And also with MLW, it was just same same thing. You know, Danny trusted me, knew that I did impact already before. They needed a um somebody my size for the same situation. Um went out there, got in contact with Delirious, and of course, uh oh, did I lose you? I'm good. We're here. Um, got in contact with Delirious, who, you know, um I've learned so much from that guy is amazing. Wealth of knowledge, um, wealth of knowledge. Good dude, good dude. And I've I've been honest. I've been in the ring with him a couple times already now. So there was already that kind of that connection, and uh, uh, he brought me along board. Um, went to MOW. Like I said, different experiences. Everything's different. That this time I wasn't going out, going up there to be an extra. I was there to be a talent, and I felt kind of weird not helping out. So even though I didn't have to, I was still setting up chairs and guardrails and. 
I don't know. I just didn't want to seem like I'm coming and okay, yeah, I'm booked to be here, but you know, let me help out, you know? Right. Um, again, another great experience. Did that, uh, made tons of connections. Um, and just overall, just like it prepares me for that next step. Like I want more, you know, I want more. There's two more levels I feel like I need to get to. You know what I'm talking about? So oh yeah, yes, I just want to get that. I just I just want to get that and um I think I think I'll definitely be satisfied from there. Well, I happened to be there at the impact taping, and um I was very, very fortunate and lucky to have been invited backstage. Thank you, Danny Cage, for that. Thank you, D Lo Brown for that as well. And I actually got to watch your match and granted it was the proverbial squash match. But at the end of the day, you looked like you did belong out there. You did look like a superstar. And again, when you've been, when you constantly, you know, the training and all those things, you keeping all those basic things in mind that, we, that that's constantly being drilled into us, you could definitely take it to the next level. So right. you look like you did belong on TV and I took some pictures actually where I shouldn't have done. I'm trying to stooge yeah, myself sure. off now, but I did take some stills for you and I did um, DM them to you because I was just like, I just had to you know, give them to you. I used them because that's what I had, you know? That's, what, that's <laughs> definitely what I had at the moment to show everybody, like, hey, look, I did this, you know? <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. You got to understand, like, those, just those moments, no matter, no matter what you, no matter the company, like, as long as it's something that has a rich history, you know, obviously MLW has been around now for over 20 years and. Yeah. So is now soon to be Impact, right? And yeah. um, seeing all the guys in Impact before and all the X Division, which one day I hope, hey, Impact. <laughs> I definitely want to rock out an X Division. Um, but I'm just honored. Even just that little bit for me, like I, I, I sealed that up as a win, you know, because for honestly, I don't, I never thought I would back then that I'll be doing what I do now. I never thought that this was even possible. I feel like I'm just living this dream and I'm riding with it and I'm creating every every aspect of it. That's good, man. That's good. So whether it's a family member, a friend, or even someone in the wrestling business, what's been the biggest piece of advice that was given to you? I have to think because there's been so many people who has given me such great advice. That, you know, I just don't want to single out not just one thing. But I also don't want to go on a rant about every piece of advice I've gotten. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I think that something that I get a little bit from everybody and all aspects of my life is um, just to keep going. Keep going because this, obviously, life is is way too short. And you know this. Life is way, way, way too short. Uh, so I'm just trying to have fun. Always remember to have fun. I think that's the best advice to give anybody. It's just let go. Let go and have fun. Because, so, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I did this because this was, for me as a child, my biggest and highest form of excitement. And even, and I will quote unquote, my dark times, this was what I used to watch on TV that would balance me out and bring me excitement. Yes, indeed. So now I'm just living that excitement. Yeah, I, I can totally agree with you there. There's been plenty of dark times in my life, and pro wrestling was always that friend, you know, to kind of take me by the hand and say, hey, man, it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? But you, you alluded to it earlier. You were talking about being on the road with Travis, Mimi, and um, Jafar, and huge shout-out to those those three. What's life on the li- What's life on the road as an independent wrestler? 
life on the road is well first of all on being on the road is actually i believe is the funnest thing um you get to definitely bond which appears and sometimes you take road trips with people you've never hung out with outside right. of wrestling exactly you know, sometimes the first time you hang out with them is eight hours in a car and you learn so much you know um that to me is the funnest thing about being on the road uh, and of course doing shows and going to different areas and meeting new people and meeting new fans and different walks of life and seeing what works and what doesn't work okay people like this style of wrestling over here you know sometimes people may just like cartoon wrestling you know right uh something simple something playful you know something they could digest easy for the kids or they could just have fun and um so independent wrestling it's wow <laughs> it is it's it's i say it's amazing in a sense of just like you never know what to expect mm-hmm. you could just drive 16 hours and you're literally out in a field with just a ring right. <laughs> you know or you could drive somewhere where you look at the post and you're like oh okay but then you get there and it's like wow okay there's about two thousand people here you know right uh, so you never know what to expect about wrestling and that's why I love it. And you get to travel and you get to see new things that you never get to see. You know, a lot of times we do when we travel is we like to stop, like to make sure that we take a, you know, take a breath of fresh air and really enjoy the views of whatever is offered to us at that time from wherever we're traveling to. Um, I love, I love traveling, man. I loved independence for that reason. Um, And that's honestly the biggest thing of why, like I said, I just keep going. I keep doing it. It doesn't, no matter what level I do it at, this is fun for me. Definitely, it's fun, you know. Yeah, for sure. I've, I mean, I've, tra- I haven't traveled as much as you all have, but I mean, for the time again, I travel alone because I'm again ring announcer. But I've, for even for the the shows that I've traveled to and two hour drive or whatever, it's just amazing to just get out there and just just think about what you got to do, but also remember why and don't lose fo- don't lose sight of that. So. I love I I do also love traveling, you know, for you know for shows, definitely on the independence. But let's talk about an event that you and I, well, of course, we do a lot of events together, but obviously last year was a huge, huge, huge milestone for the Monster Factory when we did step into the arena at the 2300 arena in South Philly. And that was probably one of the greatest days of my life. And I'm not gonna go into my story about it because this is your interview, but Take me through that entire day from the from the lens of marvelous. What was that day like for you wrestling at Step in the Arena? That's in that uh six way that six way match. I think uh, if you ask anybody, I was pumped. <clears throat> I kept going around. I'm like, let's let's do this. Like, let's get right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, game day. I'm trying to pump the the boys up. I'm trying to pump this team up. You know, like right. Let's all do our best. Let's not just one person be like, yeah, I'll steal the show or whatever. You know, let's all do it. You know, right. my that was my mentality and going into this, um, and just the, I didn't expect the crowd like the way it was. I did not expect any any like reaction. I didn't expect anything, but you know, preparing for a six way, uh, which was Anthony Bennett, uh, Daniel Alexander, Delirious Jafar, who was the middleweight champion at the time, and Montequila who was just uh, debuting there for us. Um, so in the big six-man scramble, of course, matches like that, I mean, they're hectic because it's everybody flying around, right? Right, right, right. Fast, it's hard-hitting, it's in and out, you know, it's a lot of stuff. So 
that's always challenging. And I'm honestly, when it comes to all Monster Factory shows, I could be on Impact. I could be wherever else I'm at. I get nervous. I have nerves, but good nerves. Mm -hmm. But I want to do my best because this is where I started. I started at the Monster Factory. So I always want to get the Monster Factory 155%. It's just what I do. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's just an it's just I, I I do it. That's what I want to do. I want to steal the show. I want to have the best match all times. And you know, we're getting ready for the match. People are going out. Next up is me. Lights go off. The walls in the back are shaking. And Jaf and uh Jafar uh <laughs> Jafar's like, you hear that, man? You hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I just thought I just had my mom and my girlfriend out there, you know, <laughs> my right, dad. Right. My parents, literally, my parents and my girlfriends were the only people that I at least I knew that came to the show to support me. You know what I mean? Um, boom, I go out there, big like, you know, with the lights and everything that I do on a small scale at the Monster Factory, you know, and doing it there on a little bit of a larger scale was very like surreal. Like you know, um, it's I love lights is no secret, right? I'm delight of all that is marvelous. I'm from the place of living light so uh literally walking down having a light and of course having the spotlight there at the 2300 arena was just it was just awesome like for me that moment right there was like okay like this was the moment i wanted you know but now let's get back to the match let's get back to focus let's get back to killing it you know but selfishly that was like my moment i was like this is all i want <laughs> absolutely i can remember being in the ring when you know i was doing the you know the in-ring introductions and i was waiting you know you i think you may have been second coming the ring and I can just remember when that when those lights were on you and it was the the, the arena was pitch black and I'm just like whoa I said I said this is so cool and watching it back I said between you and Bobby you guys had like the two best entrances of the night you know what I mean with Bobby I didn't even know Bobby was gonna have pyro that night I'm just like oh my I god I yeah they, I didn't know fog machine up there I'm like let's go. Yeah, that was that was to me that was our a lot of for a lot of us that was our WrestleMania because yeah, we, we you know that was the largest crowd I've ever performed in front of and you know we had a, there was a lot of matches you guys were given a lot of time I think that show was almost four hours long but it we was worth it because I'm sorry I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but we were lucky uh, I I say we were lucky because we got on pretty early and pretty good and we started that show hot so. yeah. Really it was, it was, it was incredible. So any advice for any aspiring wrestlers that are either on the fence to train, if they're just in their beginning or they're still in the middle of training or even starting out, you know, getting out in the road, any, any advice for any wrestlers that are out there that may be listening to this on this episode? Understand that when you do sign up for wrestling or if you're involved in wrestling right now for just a couple of days, this has to be your life ultimately. And you have to treat this also as your life. And you have to treat this seriously because any given moment, obviously in the ring, you could get hurt, but there's so much more to wrestling than in the ring. It's about you as a person, you as being confident enough to, you know, get up every day and be disciplined enough to just go out there and go to work and go to training and go out to these shows and travel and be on time and be professional. That's all up to you. And so really, what it just comes down to is just putting the work. And like they tell me, keep going. That's all I can say. They told me to keep going. I'm going to tell others to keep going. 
Good. Passing it down. Passing down that lawless, man. It's important. What's your favorite match or favorite opponent? So far, uh, man, I man, it's obviously I think it's no secret. I must have battled him like 300 times. Uh, my favorite opponent and favorite match is definitely with Daniel Alexander. Um, man, the guy could sell his ass off. My goodness. I've never – I still I still feel effects, especially from the latter match, and I still feel effects from a few of our matches still to this day. My ear on the left is a little bit muffled. I I mean, that boy could swing. He could hit. And if your jaw's not ready, your jaw can't handle it. He will knock you out. <laughs> um, I mean, athletic as can be. You know, I've never seen somebody move like the way he does. He's so mm -hmm. graceful. He could jump really high, you know, like, and do all these amazing things that I can't do, you know? So I think we mesh well because he's flipping around and I'm kicking him down, you know? So um, it was definitely fun. Those series of matches we had for the middleweight medallion, I mean, those are stuff right there that I would always remember. And me and him to this day, like, that's my brother. Like, we beat each other so much that, like, I mean, there's nothing else we could possibly do to each other. That's my brother. It's a bond, man. Absolutely. Like, I'm going to always have his back no matter what he does, you know. Um, I'm always have his back because we felt like we built something, especially as far as the middleweight division. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, we used to do this on the pre-show, and we didn't think anything of it, and then we just kept going, and we we both were hungry. We're both were still hungry, you know. Um, definitely my favorite opponent, my favorite matches were all with each. Well, I can honestly say that it was an honor for me to be a very small footnote in that match because I did a sit-down interview with the both of you and I wanted to reenact and and this was like this is something I always had in mind. I remember the sit-down that Jim Ross had with The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin that was leading up to their epic match at WrestleMania 17 and it was just you can feel the tension in the air in that sit down interview where they were in a locker room and they were just airing out whatever it is that they wanted to say. And I wanted to, I wanted to have that environment for the both of you. And I wanted to have that element. So to have been a small footnote in that feud, the culmination to that ladder match, it was an honor for me to do that, sit down with the both of you and realize this is going to be something really, really special. So thank you. And uh, thank you, uh, Daniel Alexander, for allowing uh, me to do that sit down with the both of you. Now, I know we got to get out of here, but tell the people yeah. where they can find you on social media, um, your merchandise, website, the whole nine yards. Uh, but real quick, though, man, thank you, though. Thank you for that, because uh, that right there was a big piece also for our storyline. And uh, there was actually there was some tension there. There was actually real tension there, especially in that period of time period. So, um. But no, you guys could just all find me at literally Marvelous XCII. That's YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all forms of social media. Marvelous XCII, man. And uh, honestly, too, right now we got the Monster Factory coming up uh, March 11th. Uh, we got a big date there also, too. So a couple of dates where I'll also be, at, uh, also be in Woodbury on the 25th of February. I'll be in Woodbury, New Jersey for Atlantic All-Star Wrestling. And Definitely keep up with me on my YouTube page. All right, man. Well, again, you know, like I said, thank you. You know, thank you so much, you know, for coming on to the show. And I know this won't be your uh, your last time. You're definitely welcome to come back anytime you want. And um, we'll definitely be crossing paths sooner than later. So I'm about to be seeing you at the factory soon, man. 
Yeah, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate appreciate you having me on. All right, you got it. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the DLU Podcast. Once again, I want to thank Marvelous for coming on to the show to talk about his journey in the world of professional wrestling. Again, I wish him all of the best in what he continues to do in the wrestling business. But I have some awesome news to share with you guys. I just found out that I will be going to WrestleMania, not just as a fan, but as a member of the media representing Believe Network and Luciette Music. I am ecstatic that I'm you know, being given this opportunity to not only represent Bleed, but also represent my brand as well as I'm venturing into the media side of entertainment in addition to the other stuff that I'm doing. So more on that in the coming weeks leading up to Mania. And again, I just wanted to share that awesome news with you all. And again, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Excitement is an understatement. But this Saturday, I'm going to be doing my ring announcer thing for the world-famous Monster Factory for Because We Can. Tickets are on sale now at monsterfactory.org. You can also get your tickets at the door. We accept cash and credit card, all right? Bell time is at 7 p.m. And again, you can see all the stars of the world-famous Monster Factory. You can follow me on social media. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, at TheRealDTLou. You can also follow me on Facebook at Derek T. Lewis Official Page. Get all of your official DTL merchandise over at shop.derrettlewis.com. I'm going to get out of here and just remember, whatever you do in life, always remember to make it count. See you next time.